Well, happy Friday, everyone. It is Roadmap Roundup Day. I love Fridays. I always love Fridays. And in addition to being Friday, in addition to being Roadmap Roundup Friday, it's going to be a day focused on vocations. And even more bonus, it's First Friday. So let's begin in prayer as we always do, and we will include our First Friday devotional prayer this morning. We pray, as always, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before you, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, strain far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you, their shepherd and leader, or, renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violations of Sundays and holy days, and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priests are subjected, for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love, and lastly for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church which you have founded. Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor the satisfaction you once made to your eternal Father on the cross and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth, and we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace for all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we will live a life of unswerving faith, of purity of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model in reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, so that we may all one day come to that happy home, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
I mentioned yesterday at the close of the show that in the region today, many Sarans, members of the Sarah Club promoting vocations, are gathering for a regional conference in Belleville at Our Lady of the Snows beginning this evening. And as someone who believes in that mission of promoting vocations, I thought that's what we could do today with the Roadmap Roundup. We could have an all-vocations Roadmap Roundup. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break in just a moment to get you the weather and the saint of the day like we always do. When we come back from that, we'll be speaking with Mike Downey, president of Sarah USA, about whose role it is to promote vocations. That's a very important question to set the uh, stage for the roundup today. And then after that, we'll be joined by the wonderful Patty Schneier and the ever-fun Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. All of that and more. Stay tuned. Today is the memorial of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary. Tradition holds that the rosary was given to St. Dominic by the Blessed Mother near the end of the 13th century. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, comes from the greeting the angel Gabriel gives to Mary when he announced that if she said yes, she would become the mother of the Savior. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, is what Elizabeth says to Mary when Mary comes to help her pregnant cousin. The second part of this sacred prayer was added by St. Peter Canisius. Holy Mary, Mother of God, please pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It was at the Council of Trent in 1566 when the prayer was officially accepted into the Catechism of the Church. Just five years later, the Feast of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary was instituted by Pope Pius V when the Christians won a miraculous victory over the Turks at the Battle of Lepanto in 1571, after saying the rosary. The entire month of October is dedicated to the Most Holy Rosary, and among many other things, it gives us an opportunity to get our hearts ready for Advent and the birth of Jesus. Our Lady of the Holy Rosary, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are having an all vocations uh, roadmap roundup today. And due to travel constraints and times and whatnot, some of this we're actually going to do by phone. So we're happy to have with us Mike Downey, who is the president of the U.S. Consul of Sarah International and a member of his Sarah Club in Des Moines, Iowa. Mike, it's good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Thanks, Adam. Well, you know, we're leading off the show today. So before we get to the panelists, I want to jump into this one question. You know, we've got a bunch of people gathering in the region to talk about vocations, but really we have to start with this. Whose job is it to promote vocations? I mean, some would say, well, that falls to the bishop. Others would say the vocations director. And I think for every person we ask, we could get a whole myriad of answers. So I'm going straight to the president. Whose job is it to promote (laughs) vocations, Mike? Well, I think the short answer is uh, all Catholics have a duty to do that. And I think it actually says that in uh, one of the Catholic documents, uh, you know, that it's the responsibility of the lay people primarily uh, to foster and promote vocations in the Catholic Church. But, you know, beyond that, it's a team effort. um, And what you have is, you know, obviously bishops and vocations directors have a strong interest in it um, because they're intensely interested in the future of the Church. Uh, beyond that, then you have uh, Sarans, um, and Sarans are people that have kind of a special place in their heart for vocations, and I think it's sort of a vocation calling of its own. Uh, and our mission is to foster uh, and promote 
um, foster new vocations to the priesthood and religious light, and promote existing priesthood and religious vocations, or su- support them. Um, so we do that, but uh, Sarans are, you know, we recognize that we are not the only uh, group that's responsible or that, that is uh, for this thing. It's not, a, it's not an exclusive deal. And I think uh, many years ago, it was recognized in Sarah that there would never be enough Sarans to do all the prayers and all the spiritual efforts and the service to uh, generate new vocations. And so Sarah took on a new role of being kind of the leaders in that area. And that's really what our function is. It's not just ourselves, but it's to get others in the Catholic Church involved and engaged in praying for vocations. Well, it's no secret that in order to bring us the sacraments, the Church needs priests, and God is calling. Um, I actually think of a, a quote I heard last week at the a radio conference I was at, um, the, the president and or, or the CEO and chairman of EWTN was sharing a story about Mother Angelica, who started the television network and the radio network, that mm-hmm. one day in prayer she said, Lord, why did you ask me to do this? And that the answer she received back was, you're not the first person I asked, but you're the first person who said yes. So we know there's no shortage of calls from the Lord out there, but perhaps That's people right. haven't considered that God may—we've we've got men who may not have considered that God is calling them, and I'm guessing it's impractical for the bishop to know every man in the diocese who is out there, uh, but we're on the front lines. Whether we're Sarans or just Joe and Jane Parishioner, we're on the front lines of the parishes knowing the men who could be called. Yeah, I— one of the, you know, the key strategy in Sarah is to try to create a culture of vocations in a parish or a diocese. And I think that's kind of an interesting term, and Sarah, we use it a lot without really thinking about it. But um, down deep, I think a culture of vocations is defined by, you know, first of all, a culture is sort of a set of values and behavioral norms that uh, bind a group of people together. And I think uh, in our case, it's uh, it's a belief that Jesus Christ is God. It's Christianity. Beyond that, then I think a culture of vocations basically is a group of people who put God first above all else, and because they put God first, they put his will for them first, you know, not their own will and not what others expect of them. And I think that, uh, you know, to be effective in creating a culture of vocations, it isn't just about religious and priesthood vocations. It's about everybody trying to figure out and understand what is that special, unique purpose for which God created us. And if you show me a parish where, or a diocese where uh, people are struggling to answer that question and to uh, accomplish God's purpose, I'll show you a very strong culture of vocations. Um, and one of the things that, you know, there are symbols of that, there are signs that within a parish, obviously, uh, churches that are full on Sunday is a great sign, but especially if there are young people there, I think long lines for confessions and a lot of confession hours is an example. Eucharistic adoration is a great one because people don't have to do that. It's absolutely voluntary, but it shows that they put God first in their lives. Um, so where you, where you have a culture of vocations, you're going to find a culture of life, you're going to find a culture of... Uh, forgiveness and almsgiving and prayer, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a strong Catholic community. But creating that is a challenge, but, but I think that's the goal, because our goal is to make sure that every call is heard and that every call is acted on with courage. I love it, and I think that's a great challenge for all of us, because no matter where we are, we're in a parish, 
and we can help our parish thrive in those ways and hopefully, if nothing else, create communities where young men are receptive to that call God might be giving them, and they have that support from their own parish community to have the the courage to say, yes, Lord, I will go where you lead me, even though I might not know where that is. I'll go where you lead me. So, Mike, I want to thank you for taking some time with us on the phone today. We wish you safe travels as you come into the area for the conference beginning tonight. And uh, as always, we want to share, if, if you don't have a Sarah Club near you, but you want to work to promote vocations, what's the website our listeners can go to? Uh, probably the best one is sarahus.org. And, but we have another one called aboutsarah.org. Perfect. Which is, uh, it's, uh, really just gives you a flavor for what Sarah's all about, and, and there's like a one-minute video on there you can see it, so without making any commitments. Wonderful. Well, Mike Downey, I want to thank you again. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, Patty Schneier and Sister Mary Carolyn Noons are going to be with us for our Roadmap Roundup, a vocation special on this Friday morning, October 7th. Don't go anywhere. Act of Faith. O oh my God, I firmly believe that Thou art one God and three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that thy divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because thou hast revealed them who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. We are back, and we're talking vocations today. I'm happy to be joined in studio by Patty Schneier and Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Or as I told my kids last night, uh, you got to be careful. Daddy's going to have a dragon slayer on the show tomorrow. So <laughs> it's good to have you both here. Uh, Mike set the stage for us, talking about the fact that it's everyone's responsibility to promote vocations. I mean, if you are listening right now, it is your responsibility to promote vocations. But that opens up the door to a new question. What do we do to promote vocations? And sister, I know from speaking with you before, this all starts in one very important place, and that's prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. I think my my four words for vocation promotion are inspire, inquire, invite, and invest. That's kind of what vocation promotion has looked like in my time as vocation director. And I kind of kind of what I want to put forth actually when I'm with the Sarans this weekend is those those four words as a roadmap, if you will, for promotion of vocation, because uh, first and foremost, that that inspiration has to come in prayer. It has to come from relationship with the Lord and going deeper with him and letting him be the one who speaks primarily. Sometimes I think if grandma says it too much, then it's just going to go right out <laughs> in one ear and out the other, right? Or uh, if a little old lady in church who sees the, the young person who happens to be under the age of 30 and goes to daily mass, like keeps saying it every day, it's maybe not going to be as helpful. Uh, but the prayer and the inspiration that comes from the Lord first and foremost. So inspire, uh, for, from our witness, I think the witness of holiness and the witness of everyday holiness in every vocation is important. And then inquire is asking questions, that relationship is primarily born through asking questions. So whether it's asking a question, like, have you ever thought about the possibility of being priest or religious? Uh, or have you ever thought about getting on catholicmatch.com or something like that to invite people to kind of consider that through through inquiry? 
And then uh, the invitation is like, take a step. Everyone needs to be always taking in the next right step. Elsa said it best in Frozen 2, right? Just do the next right thing. Uh, so they're just doing the next right thing and inviting people to move forward. And then investment. Um, I think accompaniment and personal accompaniment in vocational discernment is really important, whether it's through a spiritual director, spiritual mentor, vocation directors. That's why we're here, right? To, to be inviting people to deeper discipleship and investing in them so they can grow in that relationship. And from my perspective of being a wife and a mother and having raised my three kids, and of course my oldest son, John, is now Father John Schneier for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. When you said those words, I was putting them in the context also of within a family. So inspire, um, just when I think of inspiring and trying to inspire young people about vocations, we would always try to um, expose them to different religious communities, priests, inspire them to beautiful sacred art, inspire, try to inspire them to a life of joy within the church. We just tried to do that on our own within our family. I loved your word, invite. That was so huge for us to invite priests over for dinner, invite have people over at Catholic families and, you know, where you're doing things, but you invite and go to Catholic events and invite their friends to come with you. We would always invite. We would go to Catholic movies and I'd say, we're all going. And of course, my kids could sometimes roll their eyes and go, why are we the only family that has to go to this or that, you know, whatever activity it was in the church? And I would say, well, invite your friends. So we would invite friends to go do Catholic things with us. I remember Corpus Christi processions, whatever it was, we would always invite Invite priests, invite family members, invite as much as you can within your whatever it is you're doing that's Catholic. Um, and now I forgot some of the other words. Accompany. When you accompany someone, when we were accompanying seminarians, uh, again, we invited them over for dinner. We started accompanying them on their journey. And my kids just watched that and mm -hmm. saw that. So there were, there were different ways to take those words that you just said and also bring them into your own family life if you have children and grandkids of what you can do to foster vocations. I think the word invitation to really the idea of inviting it has to do with hospitality. And what is hospitality? But like creating a space for relationship and growing in relationship. So whether it's growing in relationship with the priests or the seminarians you're inviting into your home and then investing in them, but showing also your children how to invest in relationships with other people is yes. so important because we don't respond to our vocations in a vacuum, right? No matter what vocation we're called to, we're called to live a life of, of communion and a life of the family of the church. So that uh, hospitality is really important. It was, I will say, just um, when I look back, my husband and I, we didn't, we really didn't do, people ask me this all the time, what did you do, right, to, to promote vocations within your family? And part of me, I always say it's a really delicate balance. Part of me was get out of the way. Seriously, we had to get out of the way, let God have his way with each and every one of our children um, and praying to get out of the way that we would not impose either way uh, our desire, whether it was marriage or the single life or a religious vocation, that we truly would get out of the way. But on the other hand, like you just said, the hospitality and because I really believed that by just seeing the joy of other priests and religious, that was the greatest witness for them to just be around 
priests and religious. So in a sense, my husband and I getting out of the way and just letting them be exposed mm-hmm. and having a relationship, like you just said, relationship with a joyful priest or a joyful sister. See, what Patty just said there really challenges me. And I don't know about you listening, but as, as a parent now of a middle schooler, one of the things that we are doing is looking at high schools. And I can remember when our oldest was born. And I had always thought to myself, as a graduate of St. Louis U High, if I ever have a son or sons, they would all go to St. Louis U High. We'd be a legacy family. And as we're looking at high school, now the question really is, well, what is the best high school for our son? And that may mean letting go of what I had preconceived before he was even born, you know, sometime after that 20-week ultrasound where we found out we were having a boy. And it's really, you know, Patty, you're challenging me in the same way with vocations here to, to say, not what's my plan. You know, I think every parent at some point has had that plan, probably somewhere around birth. This is my kids the rest of their life um, planned out to let go of that and say, no, what's what's God's plan for their life? And how do I support that? But how do I also get out of God's way? And that's a really difficult thing to do as a parent sometimes. It is, but it's also freeing, freeing for the parent, and it's freeing for the son or the daughter to truly— um, here's what I—, I, I Here's what I used to say to my kids. I say, that, <laughs> I'm just going to share it. I'd say, God has given you to me as a gift for 18 years. My job is to pass the faith on to you for 18 years. And then I get a front row seat to see what God is going to do in your life and to see your vocation unfold. It's an unfolding. And I have nothing to do with that. That's between you and God. So my job is basically like I've been given this baton is to pass the baton on to you. But then I love this image of I have a front row seat and I get to cheer you on and be happy and encourage you. But basically it's to watch how your life with God unfolds. The best part of radio is wherever you're listening right now, you have a front row seat because, well, there's no one else between you and your radio in most cases, especially if you're in the car. But we are going to take a break, so don't give up that seat. We'll be back with more Roadmap Roundup in just a few moments. Prayer before a crucifix. Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus, they have pierced my hands and my feet, they have numbered all my bones. We are talking about vocations today on the Roadmap Roundup with special guest Sister Mary Carolyn Noons and Patty Schneier. And, uh, you know, before the break there, we were talking about the power of invitation and really getting out of God's way. And uh, before I ask this next question, Sister, I know there was something Patty said that that you wanted to jump in on. Yeah, so I, I think the idea of getting out of the way is so super important. And we need to remember that investing in someone doesn't mean micromanaging, right? So even as, as a vocation director, I've had to let people go that I'm like, I can see it. I can see the charisma of our community in them. And they come and they visit and I walk with them and I walk with them. And in the end, they, they don't come. And that can be really heartbreaking sometimes. Um, and it's, I think in some ways, it's a way that I've experienced 
experience the spiritual motherhood and like to experience the pain and the ache of maternity that says, I'm going to invest in you. And then you're not going to do what I think is probably going to be what's best for you. But I've got to let you go, because if I try to hold you back and if I try to make you do what I think you're supposed to do, it's actually going to prevent both of us from living in God's love. And so. I'm going to let you walk away for now and, and see what happens. Um, it's it's kind of like the infinite nearness of motherhood in the womb gives way to this infinite distance. We have a sister who's a missionary in Japan, and her mother said, if you get any further away from me, you're actually going to start coming back to me. <laughs> She's kind of gradually moved further and further away. Uh, but there's there's a real, there's a pain in that, and there's a beauty in that as well. Yeah. Well, one thing we know, um, sister, is that each and every one of us has a vocation. And while that may not be a vocation to the priesthood or the religious life, Every one of us has a vocation. And sometimes I think we get wrapped up in that idea that, especially in your job as as a vocation director, we've talked about this before, you're not a recruiter. It's not like the armed forces where you're out there just to see how many women you can get in to the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. It's about getting those who God has called connected with the order so that they can come and be a sister with you. And there's really a beauty in that, that we're not all called to the same vocation. Um, there's a great complementarity. Just as we need priests and we need religious, we need families. We need mothers and fathers. Otherwise, we're not going to have more priests than religious down the line. Everything's just going to come to an end. And that's a wonderful thing to say, wow, God in his wisdom has made all of these vocations so interconnected and so complementary. They're interconnected and they're complementary because at the root, it's Jesus. At the root, it's holiness, right? So I think when we're talking about vocation promotion, too, what we just need to talk about is a revolution of holiness and a revolution of discipleship where we're teaching people how to be in relationship with the Lord. And if we do that, then we really can just get out of the way and let him do the rest and not have to put all the pressure on us in a very real way. What do you do? Well, as the Blessed Mother said, do whatever he tells you to do. Right. And I would also say this too, it's it's when you said missionary disciples, discipleship, but it's also, I think, fostering and teaching our young people how to pray, how to be comfortable in silence, how to come before the Lord in adoration. I will never forget, um, it was Archbishop Burke at the time, Cardinal Burke, when he was Archbishop of St. Louis and I was interviewing him and he said, you will find your vocation in front of the Blessed Sacrament. You will find your vocation in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I just keep... That, that has resonated with me so often. You, you'll understand, too, if you're called to marriage in front of the Blessed Sacrament, um, how beautiful it is when you see a young couple discerning marriage together going to Eucharistic adoration. Even I've seen proposals. I've heard of proposals in a Eucharistic adoration chapel, right? But that's so beautiful to know that um, the vocation, they recognize that their vocation in marriage is a gift from God, religious life from a gift is a gift from God, and priesthood, whatever— to be in front of Jesus, hearing that silent voice, that that prompting, knowing that's from the Holy Spirit. That's if you're quiet enough to hear the call. And and I think for many people, we just have to teach the the school of silence a little bit. Um, be comfortable with silence. Be comfortable with silent prayer. Um, take our children to Eucharistic adoration. Let them know where to go in the greatest joys and sorrows of life. Just foster that awareness of of spending time with Jesus in silence, because that's where it's going to happen. Sister, here's a question for you, because, I mean, as you stated, you experience spiritual motherhood, but you're a religious sister. You're you're bride of Christ. You know, our Lord is your husband. You're not going to have uh, biological children. You're going to have those spiritual children. And yet you are the daughter of a mother and a father. And I'm curious how their vocation of marriage impacts your vocation in your ministry as a religious sister. 
Yeah, those identities of the heart, which I think we've talked about before, that daughter, sister, bride, and mother, right? So, yeah, my parents have been married for over 40 years and have been faithful, and it hasn't always been easy. And I think that's probably one of the greatest witnesses, like recognizing that there's been some real struggles and some real challenges, but yet they still choose faithfulness. I recently listened to an audio book called Dedicated, uh, A Case for Commitment in an Age of Infinite Browsing. And it was so fascinating to listen to uh, and to just kind of see how that affects us, like this world where there used to be just two kinds of toothpaste. Now, like how many different kinds of toothpaste are there to choose from and the different brands. And sometimes we get so caught up in like, well, I have this, but what else is out there and kind of keeping the options open. And I, I know that when my parents said yes to marriage and said yes to love and said yes to life, back in December of 1979, that they were in it for the long haul. Um, and that, you know, there have been those memes and stuff of like a, a cute little old couple. And it says, we, we live in an age now where if something breaks, you throw it away and you get a new one. But these people lived in an age where if something broke, you fixed it and you did what needed to do to, to, to make it work. And so um, kind of grappling with that because, yeah, it hasn't all been sunshine and roses for them and it hasn't been sunshine and roses for me. But I think helping people to understand, too, that every vocation is going to have its crosses, but every vocation is going to have its joys. And it's as we live through the cross that we can experience resurrection. Now, Patty, I want to turn that around for you because I know that uh, you are now not only the mother of a priest, but you are a mother-in-law. Um, mm-hmm. your, your other son was married this this past spring. Yes. And I'm curious and how... a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law and a son of priest. <laughs> yeah, we have everything in our family. <laughs> so, so how has that affected you and Larry? I mean, you have a son who's a priest, and your vocation of marriage came first, and his vocation to the priesthood is a direct fruit of your yes to one another and yes to God's will. But now on, on the other side of this equation, how do their vocations impact you and your marriage? Well, I would just say if the first word that comes to my mind is joy, just the joy to see both our daughter and our son find their vocation in marriage, the two that were called to marriage, um, and and realizing the completeness of uh, just our immediate family now with each one of them in their vocation. They're the, my three kids all are within their vocation now. Um, and the joy of them making those commitments and those vows. And that is huge, as you said, in a world where everyone's browsing and, and not and afraid of commitment. Um, that was the first word that came to my mind is the joy of, of seeing them make that commitment. And then to know that we are all praying for one another, that we are all here, that exactly we watch our son and his vocation. And we know that there are times that it's going to be a struggle and it's not going to be easy, but we are here for him. And also then our children who are married know Again, that Larry and I are, are committed to marriage and that we are here to help them in their married vocation as well. So um, I think it would be the, the two words that come to mind are joy and then support, that we all want to be a family that supports one another in our vocation, no matter what, that they would know that we're here for them in the good times and in bad to help them through that um, as well as, of course, the faith that we have everything that we need that's given to us from Jesus Christ in the church with the grace of the sacraments. If we just tap into that. So we want to encourage that whenever there might be struggles for any of us within our vocation. Right. We make our vows for the hard days, not for the easy days. Like the day that we make those vows, it's a beautiful day for sure. But that vow and that promise is made for when things get hard to tap into the grace that is that has already been given, that has already been won for us, that has poured out. I think, too, uh, Patty, as you spoke, as your children's vocations and somehow have kind of inspired you in, in your continued married life. And uh, I can see that in my own parents, too. My sister and I sometimes talk about, like, who are these people? <laughs> because when we left home, my dad used to kind of give me a hard time for going to daily mass sometimes. But now my dad goes to daily mass sometimes. 
times and my mom prays the rosary every day and uh my my sister sent me a youtube video of my dad leading the rosary with the knights of columbus and just the subject line was excuse me but is this our father <laughs> it was like yes yeah. it is look at that you know uh, so just the beauty of that like to see to see them to growing in their faith as well it's kind of like the the flip side and, and the mutual support that can start to come as we grow into adulthood and start to live our own vocations too and let me just say how important it is um to be praying for our children in their vocation every my kids know every single day every single day yes i pray the rosary yes i pray the chaplet of the divine mercy but it's how i pray that chaplet of divine mercy each one of my kids and their spouses gets a decade and i'm praying for all the virtues that they need in their vocation so one decade is for father john one decade is for julie and her husband one decade is for kevin and his wife one decade is for larry and me in our vocation and then the final decade is for priests and religious so i pray that every single day and every bead is is for their specific mm. virtues that they will need in their vocation so they know i'm like you are covered every single day by this praying mom for your vocation sister i love what you said about vows not being for the easy days vows are for the hard days and there's a song i don't play it often on the show here because it's probably a little heavier than than we're used to on a on the on the station but it's by toby mack it's called what love feels like and there's just this great line in it poured out used up still giving stretching me out to the end of my limits this is what love feels like and so i think we're gonna take a break and we're gonna just give that a listen right now um because i I like playing it and uh, when we come back we're gonna wrap up with one more question we're gonna come back to that role of parents in vocations and maybe dive a little bit more in depth or dive a little bit deeper into that you're listening to roadmap to heaven Stay tuned. A prayer for daily neglects. Eternal Father, I offer thee the sacred heart of Jesus with all its love, all its sufferings, and all its merits. First, to expiate all the sins I have committed this day and during all my life. Second, to purify the good I have done poorly this day and during all my life. Third, to supply for the good I ought to have done and that I have neglected this day and all my life. Amen. We are back. We're nearing the end of uh, what my buddy Gabe Jones calls the fastest 60 minutes in all of Christendom. So uh, we have time maybe for one more in-depth question here, and that's the role of parents in supporting vocations. And Patty, I actually want to start with you on this one because uh, we've spoken about seasons of life before. We were just talking about that the other day here on the show and that we each have our own season of life. You're in one. I'm in another. Sister, you're in a completely different one. But in all of that, we do have a time as parents, those of us who are called to be parents, to pray for the vocations of our children. So right now, for me, it's pretty much in the generic, like, Lord, whatever you're calling them to, please give them the grace to say yes, and please give Beth and I the grace to get out of your way. Um, what does that look like for you? I mean, how did that start when your kids were young and now, you, you know, you just said you're praying for them in their vocations now that they know and have committed to those vocations? Well, it's funny you say, how did that look when they were young? I was I was just going to say probably the only thing that I can really concretely remember that we did every single night were bedtime prayers with our kids and we made up our own family prayer. It was just our own little words that we would say, and it came to be a habit that the kids knew what we were going to say. We made the sign of the cross on their forehead, blessed them every single night, and just basically, you know, started very simple. God bless John. God bless Julie. God bless mommy and daddy, my brothers and sisters, you know, just this basic prayer. But we always ended it with saying, help him to know what is right and wrong. Help him to live his life according to your word. 
Basically, we're, we're saying just that you would know what's right and wrong, live the gospel, live it to the full. We would say things like that. Help him to find, Lord, what you want him to do. And we said that prayer every night of living your life, whatever it is that you want for my child, Lord. Help him to find it, help him to respond, help him to say yes. And what was so beautiful is on the day of our son's ordination, when a priest gives his first blessings to his family, Larry and I knelt at that kneeler. John put his arms around both of us. It was a huge bear hug. And all he did is he went into that bedtime prayer that we had said every single night over him. And then when Julie and Kevin came up for their first blessing, his siblings, he did the same thing. He just said that same prayer that we had been saying over our kids about, you know, again, I can't, it's something very personal, but I will just say that just that little, the time that you have at bedtime is so precious. And if you actually say a prayer that you are telling your children to pray for their vocation, to be open to God's will, whatever it is in their life, and that they say yes to it, that seed is a very important seed. Um, so I would just offer that. Yeah. Now, sister, one of the things I've heard about religious life, and correct me if I'm wrong, is your parents didn't lose a daughter, or in your family's case, two daughters, because you have another sister who's in the religious life. They didn't lose two daughters. They gained a whole host oh, of daughters in two sure. different convents. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I did not have an experience where we prayed together as a family growing up. We went to Mass every Sunday, but I was a public school kid that went to religious education once a week, and that was that was it. Uh, but Mass was non-negotiable, and I, I'm grateful for that. And that's really all my parents knew to do uh, from, the, from their upbringing. And so they did the best they could with what they had to offer. Uh, and my mom, a couple years ago, said, I'm so sorry that we didn't have an Advent wreath, and we didn't do these different things. She goes, I, I'm only learning about them now, and I feel like I, I cheated you. And I was like, look, hey, it all worked out okay for, for us, you know. Uh, but yeah, my sister and I both are in religious life and my parents have gained a lot of daughters. Uh, in fact, when I was living in Kansas City in particular, my mom would send a package to me and all the other sisters would almost be more excited because there was literally one time where when I un unpacked the package and started to distribute all the things that had everybody else's name on it, there was like one little thing left in for me and the rest of it was all given to the other sisters. Um, and they, they ask about them and they, you know, keep in touch with them. And my mom is a, is a big supporter of a big event that we have at the convent for the sisters at Christmas time called Vinox Mart. And she sends two big boxes of stuff for the, for the sisters to enjoy. So absolutely kind of expanding the family when they come to visit, they come to visit all of us uh, in some ways. My sister actually got to come visit recently. So we had a Dominican in the, in the house for a couple days. And even that was kind of fun just to, to share my sister, who's a sister with my sisters and to get, let them get to encounter her too. If you can keep up with all of that, your sister, the sister with the other yeah, sister. Yeah, sister. I'm going to need a flow chart. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to take one last break here on the show and get you another check of the weather with Mike Roberts. And then uh, Patty and I will wrap up the daily dose of encouragement for the week. We've been talking about lessons from the saints. And then, sister, I think we'll come back and give you the, the final word on the day. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer for all who are coping with floods. God of compassion, you hear the cries of all who are in trouble or distress. Accept our prayers for those whose lives are affected by storms and flooding. Strengthen them in their hour of need. Grant them perseverance and courage to face the future and be to them a firm foundation on which to build their lives. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
Normally, we're looking forward to the weekend and everything we do. However, today I am not because that means it's the last day for our daily dose of encouragement on the Saints of October. Patty, this week has been fantastic. I cannot imagine how we're wrapping this up, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, I chose St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, whose feast day is October 9th, recently canonized. He's been blessed for so long on his quote, his prayer. Of course, many of you know it, but I'm going to read it. This is his great prayer that says, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it if I but keep his commandments. Therefore, this is the part I love, I will trust him. Whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. So today, look up this prayer from St. John Henry Newman, and maybe you can just pray, Lord, you know what you are about. I trust in you, whatever you're going through. Lord, you know what you are about. I trust in you. John Henry Newman. Did you know when you planned this that St. John Henry Newman is one of my favorite saints, like top five? No, I did not know that, but that prayer is a biggie, and that is one that I had to share. I know. It's a beautiful one, and so much of his writings are are so fantastic in his prayers. So as sad as I am for the week to be over, I am so happy that we ended with one of the greatest saints. I mean, they're all great. So Patty Schneier, thank you for this wonderful week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And now for the final word of the day here on the Roadmap Roundup Vocation Special, we're going to turn to Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. And it is this. Uh, Sister, we may have some young men or some young women listening right now that are saying, you know, I've been inspired and I, I think I'm ready to inquire myself, not just to have others inquire of me, but I'm ready to inquire. God may be calling me to the priesthood. God may be calling me to the religious life. Where do they go next? Take a step in some direction and reach out to a vocation director. Again, we're not recruiters. We're not out to get you. If you're listening in the St. Louis area, I can attest that Father Brian Fallon is not a recruiter. If you're listening on the other side of the river, uh, Father Brian Alford is a good friend of mine as well in the Springfield Diocese. Neither of them are going to be out to get you uh, or get your phone number and not leave you alone. Like They are there to receive you and to receive your questions, to receive your fears even. And and the same thing for me with young women. Like I'm just here to receive your fears. And even if you are like, I really don't like Francis at all and I'm much more of a Therese kind of gal, like reach out to the Carmelites here in St. Louis, reach out to a community that you feel like I could maybe see myself there someday and just ask the questions. Um, and don't be afraid to surrender those fears, not only to the Lord in prayer, but also to a, to a trusted adult who kind of knows what they're talking about in terms of the spiritual life and discernment uh, to be able to help guide your next steps. Here in St. Louis, 
This is the fourth year for the Love's Reply Women's Discernment Group, and we've had some great success stories. I have a couple success stories of like a young woman who's entered religious life, another young woman who went and visited a community, came back and was like, yeah, that's definitely not for me. And she's engaged. I just got her wedding invitation. And I'm so tickled. Like that. This is like, that's a Love's Reply success story of a woman who took the risk, who took the next step, who came into a group with other women asking the same questions. And we walked together for a year and now beautiful things are happening and unfolding in their lives. Yeah, I, I'm firsthand proof that it's not a recruitment thing. I went on the Archbishop's Discernment Retreat two years in a row here in St. Louis, and I'm married with five children. And I'm privileged to know vocation directors in several of our listening areas, including Father Chase Hildenbrink up oh, in Peoria, I who at most is probably going to make you commit to play at least one game of soccer with him, um, whether you enter the priesthood or not. Uh, Father Brian Alford, I know Bishop Rice down in the Diocese of Springfield, Cape Girardeau, is a great promoter of vocations and a, has a deep love for his priesthood. The Diocese of Jefferson City, Belleville, um, you know, all, all of these places, great vocation directors. Just go to your diocese website. You'll find the information on vocations there. And if you're a woman listening, the vocation directors, they know the directors of the women's religious orders. They'll point you in the right direction. Um, sadly, we are out of time. So let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray, pray for, for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. I, I kind of feel now like we've slighted Our Lady because it is her day today, Feast of the Rosary. So pray your rosary today. Um, I can't say that more enough. Uh, especially pray it for vocations and for those who are discerning. And don't forget, today is First Friday. You've already prayed in uh, reparation for, for sins against the Sacred Heart. Go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, and uh, you'll meet that devotion. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks to Patty Schneier and Sister Mary Carolyn Noons. Pray your rosary today.